Good morning, Emmanuel. How many love Jesus today? You love him? Even when it's cold outside. Come on, somebody. How many are ready for some warmer weather to come our way? I'm ready for it. I'll speak it in the name of Jesus. Please, Lord, let it happen. We're in uh, week number four of our Dear Friends series. We've been looking at 1 John. How many have your Bibles today? Let me see. You got them? All right. Uh, whether they're electronic or paper, I've been encouraging you to get a paper Bible uh, and use that paper Bible. It won't change. Even digitally, they're not going to be able to come in and change your paper Bible. So stock up and have your paper Bibles around. Uh, it's worth having been looking at what John the Apostle was saying to the church. Remember, John was one of the disciples that lived and, and walked and with Jesus, saw everything that Jesus had done, and it so profoundly impacted John's life that decades later, he's writing back to the church and he's pleading with them to, to experience the love of God in the way that he did. It wasn't just like, you know, Sometimes uh, we, we grow up, if you've grown up in the church, potentially, you, you experienced Jesus and, and you went to a camp or you experienced Jesus when you were younger, that was pro profound and then it's lost. For John, he never lost it. It kept going and it was so real to him that he wanted the next generation of church people to experience that kind of love. And did you know that all of us can experience that love? That's why we've been looking at 1 John, not just good little moments of, of stories we like in the Bible, but we've been going verse by verse all the way through, and I don't know if we're going to finish it by the end of the year. We'll see, see what happens. Uh, to set up today, I just want to remind you, last week we talked about uh, you are anointed. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are anointed. And it comes from our previous chapter in 1 John chapter 3, we were talking about how you have an anointing from the Holy One. And uh, all of us have that anointing. And stories have been coming in because we anointed everyone that was in church last week with oil that wanted to receive it. And I heard somebody just yesterday that came to me and said, Pastor Nate, can I share something with you? I said, sure. He said, uh, I was out in the hall and somebody told me I should go in there and I should get anointed. So he wasn't looking to do it. He said, so I went up there and he said, this whole last week, he said, you know, I, I have these Coke bottle glasses. I can hardly see. I have a hard time seeing. But this whole week, my eyesight is about 50% better than it was last week. And he said, the, here's the funny thing. He said, uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't even up there for prayer for my eyes. I had some hip issues that I was up there, but God healed my eyes. How about that? Uh, I love hearing stories like that. I just believe that every time we gather together, God's going to do something. And let's have that expectancy. If you're losing hope, God's going to give you hope today. And uh, if you need a, a friend, God's going to bring friendship into the family of God today. If you have a need for something that we don't even know about, we just believe that when we gather together, Jesus is here. Where two or three are gathered in his name, Jesus is in our presence. And I, I believe that he's about to do something. I want to set up today's message by just sharing about family that I have. I have a whole bunch of nieces, and I love all of them. Uh, one of my nieces' name is Tiffany. And Tiffany, or Tiff, she grew up in Minnesota her whole life, but then she moved to Virginia for college. And then she met this guy there and married a guy named Ben, who is from North Carolina. And Ben has a very strong Southern accent. 
Now, you only know that if you're not from there. How many know people in the South know that we have a very, yeah, you betcha kind of accent in the North? So over the next couple of years, as the family would gather together and Tiffany and Ben would come up, they now live in Oklahoma, we noticed that she had picked up a Southern accent. And she talked just like Ben did, and now it's going on to the next generation of Crisps. Ben, his last name is Chris, as they're having kids, and now that accent is moving to the next generation. Now, the way that Tiffany talked changed based on her environment and the influence of relationships. Accents reveal where you have been and who you have allowed to influence you. As we step into 1 John chapter 3 and 4, you're going to see John talking about the influences around us that seek to give us an accent, if you will. John's deep belief is that the more we spend time with Jesus and his love, the more we will have Jesus' accent. And just as we've already seen in the first two chapters of John, there are other influences that will push you and me to carry an accent that is not like Jesus. And so what we'll see today is John challenging the church to resist the influence of false love and to pursue the true love of God. And if we do, we'll talk and live with God's accent of love. Now turn to your neighbor and say, you have an accent. <laughs> today, dear friend, part four, God's accent of love. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. You can go there on our Emmanuel MN app as well. John says this to us. See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children. And that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure, just as he is pure. John says, you are in a family, and the Father loves you. Turn to the person next to you, look at him, point at him, say, you are in a family, and the Father loves you. <laughs> See, it isn't just good people, church people, but when we're called by Jesus, we accept the, the forgiveness and the grace of Jesus. We are brought into a family. We're not alone. We're not isolated. We're not outcasts. We have a Father. And people outside the family who belong to the world, John says, don't see it that way. They don't look at us that way because they don't know the Father like we can know the Father. In the family, we're looking forward to Christ's return, and we're eagerly anticipating that return, as John says here. Let's move on to the next verse, verse 4. Everyone who sins is breaking God's law, for all sin is contrary to the law of God. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins, and there is no sin in him. Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin. But anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand 
who he is. Verse seven, dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. And when people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even when Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. And those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. So now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. Now this is a big chunk here that I'm going to just, I want to highlight just a few things out of these verses. First of all, sin is breaking God's law. The law of God, all the way from the Old Testament into the New, was specifically designed for the benefit of people in real life and in relationship to God. You know that the Bible is not a rule book that's just pointing the finger at us as if we're dirty sinners. It's actually a manual to help us know how to relate to other people in the blessing of God and to be connected to God. And when we do things outside of what God's word says, there's consequence for that. And those steps outside of God's word are called sin. It's pretty simple. And when it talks about Jesus and our relationship to Jesus, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And there's no other way that we can know the Father except through Jesus. In verse 7, it said, don't let anyone deceive you about this. In other words, don't let anybody make you believe in something different than Jesus being the way. Jesus and and Jesus doing, you know, Jesus would bless my sin. No, Jesus wouldn't bless your sin. But God is love. Yes, God is love. But there are definitions to that love in the Bible. His love isn't just willy-nilly, just out there and it's whatever anybody makes up. In fact, there are definitions to that. There are boundaries to that. I love what Paul, when he was speaking of the end times in 2 Timothy chapter 3, he speaks of a lawlessness at the end of time. And then he talks about people being lovers of self and pleasure and money. That at the end times, people are going to love things that are going to be outside of the love that we find in the Bible. This is a big deal in this day and age, friends, because lawlessness includes rejecting God's idea of love. This whole underlying cultural statement that love is love is not true. Just any kind of love that you make up does not equal the love of God. Just because you designed it for your own benefit, that outside of love, outside of the law of God, the ways of God, and you are stepping into territory that the Bible would call sin. It's very clear. That's what First John is saying. John is saying in First John. He's saying it to us. It's very clear. Verse 8 says, when people keep on sinning, it shows they belong to the devil. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Verse 9, but in the family, we can't keep sinning. Why? Because God's life is in them. Look at verse 9. I want you to notice that verse. 
because God's life is in them. What that original word, the original translation, is the word seed. Seed. Because God's seed is in them. Life is meant to reproduce. It's meant to multiply. If we have a different kind of love in us, then we multiply that love to our kids. We multiply that to other people. But it's important for us to not be in sin because then when we live righteously, the type of seed we plant in our next generation is a godly seed. Come on, somebody. There's something about how you live that is... People are following you. They don't just do what you say. They do what you do. How many of that's the scariest reality in the whole world? Little kids are going to become like their parents, not just what their parents tell them to do, but they become like their parents. So verse 10 then was a realization that we can tell who a person is by their accent. If you don't live righteously and don't love others, you don't have the father's accent. If you're not living righteously and you're not loving others, then you don't have that father's accent. Verse 11, this is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should, what? Love one another. We must not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and killed his brother. And why did he kill him? Because Cain had been doing what was evil, and his brother had been doing what was righteous. So don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. If, you, if we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. So he starts by saying in verse 11, we should love one another. How many agree with that? But he says the way we do it can't be like Cain did. Now, if you don't know the story of Cain, Cain and his brother Abel, the first two kids, <laughs> born to Adam and Eve, and God gave them an opportunity to worship and have connection with them, and he told them how to do it. We don't know exactly the instructions, but Abel did it God's way, and Cain wanted to offer what he wanted to offer himself. In other words, he wanted to divert from God's way, and then God didn't accept what Cain offered. So Cain gets mad at God by killing Abel, his brother. Isn't that interesting? Sometimes our anger towards people is really an anger towards God. We've got father issues. We've got daddy issues. And then we take it out on other people. I don't know how many people I've seen over time, especially in my years in youth ministry, counseling adolescents, how many angry people that were abused as kids turn around and abuse others later on? If you don't deal with your anger, you become what you despise. And so God, the Father, has a different kind of love. So we can't love like Cain. And then he says, you, as followers of God and in the family, you're going to be hated. Anybody 
feel like um, somewhat like the finger is pointing at the church in our culture, our beliefs that somehow what we believe is wrong, we're going to be hated. Don't be surprised. But here's the deal. Just because you're being hated doesn't give you the right. You can't be a hater. You can't become a hater because you're hated. Turn to the person next to you and say, don't be a hater. <laughs> so if we're going to follow God's love, how do we know what love is? Look at verse 18. We know what, or 16, sorry. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. How many know that's the perfect kind of love? So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees his brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Now this is, Jesus shows us what real love with an accent is. He gives up his life for us, John says. This is the, this is the epitome of it. The kind of love that he has is the Greek word, the agape love. Agape love is unconditional love, where there's no repayment expected. There's no love with a hook in it. No expectation back. Just because that guy says to you, I love you, and he wants something from you, doesn't mean he loves you, agape loves you. He's got love with a hook. Come on, somebody. I know that every weekend I often will reference people that are married and they, they have kids, but I know that about 50% of the congregation are adults that are single, either never married or, or divorced or whatever it may have been, maybe widowed. And so I know that the pressures that we have that are out there, there's all kinds of love coming at us. Just know this, Jesus' love is love without a hook. It's unconditional love. That's the kind of love we want, not the other kind of loves that are out there. And his kind of love goes beyond words. How many like it when somebody loves you beyond the words, I love you? Verse 18, dear children, it's not, mere, don't merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our what? Actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. So we will all be confident when we stand before God. Let our actions show it. He referenced taking care of other people's needs. If somebody has a financial need, you take care of that need. One of the things I love that's going on in Emmanuel is our heart of generosity, caring for the needs of our community and for needs around the world. It is blowing my mind because I see in you the love of God. Generosity is not just giving your tax to the government. Generosity is saying, I have a love for people without a hook. I care for the world that is around me. And loving others may sometimes cause us to go, am I doing it right? Sometimes when we sacrifice and we take care of other people, somewhere in the back of our head, we can begin to feel guilty, like maybe we're not good enough. And this is where I love what John says in verse 20. He says, even if we feel guilty, 
God is greater than our feelings and he knows everything. I love that verse, especially because sometimes feelings are horrible leaders. Our feelings can, if we follow the advice of our feelings, how many, no, it could wreck a whole lot of things. So we need to recognize that God is bigger than our feelings. We can trust him. We're safe in his love. He knows how to guide us. And loving others then will directly impact our prayer life. Look at this in verse 21. He says, dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence. And we will receive from him whatever we ask because we obey him and do the things that please him. There's a reward when we walk in his love and we obey his way. And I think we can be confident. I just say this. How many of you know that you are loved by God? Hmm? Sometimes we feel it and sometimes we don't, but we can know that we're loved by God. And if we are loved by God, then God will hear your prayers. Not just the pastor's prayer, not just the supernatural uh, figure in your life, that, that praying grandma. I'm thankful for praying grandmas. But I'll just tell you this, God will hear your prayer. And you can be confident in that. And we can do this if we stay close to Jesus by his spirit. Verse 23, and this is his commandment. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Those who obey God's commandments remain in what? Fellowship with him and he with them. And we know he lives in us because the spirit he gave us lives in us. In order to love and to receive the love of God, we must believe and love one another. And if we obey, we will remain in fellowship with Jesus. The way to grow in your love is not to try harder, but it's to get closer to Jesus. This is what we should be doing. I want his kind of love because there are times when I feel like I got other things going on in my head and my heart. So I just need to get closer to Jesus because I need his kind of love. Can I get an amen to that? All right, now we're gonna turn the chapter into chapter four, 1 John chapter four. I told you I was gonna try to cover more today. Here we go. Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. This is how we know if they have the spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the spirit of God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world and is indeed already here. Now, earlier in 1 John, I, I addressed some of the Antichrist questions. He's not just talking about the capital A, Antichrist. He's talking about the spirit of Antichrist. And now let me just tell you how it works its way in, in a religious sense. In a religious sense, people will begin to believe something different than what's in the word of God. And then they will use religious sounding jargon 
to try to counteract or contradict what the Word of God says. And so, in other words, what love is, what's acceptable in God's sight, people begin to form uh, ideologies around something that is contradictory to the way, the truth, and the life. And then they'll work their way in, and it will sound so good. It will sound so good how you see yourself, how you view sexuality, how you view identity, what you're permissive of in your own story. And it works its way into the point that it flips the tables, and now all of a sudden evil is called good, and good is called evil. And it works its way in, and it works on the church. John is speaking to the church right now. And he's saying, watch out, there's a lot of different ideas and voices that are out there, false prophets, who are attempting to influence the family of God. Influences that want you to trust them instead of Jesus. And I'm just saying this today, we have to work to understand and see that. I've got some people I like to come up, Pastors Jody and Pastor Jonathan and Pastor Ali are going to come. I want you to hear some of the challenges to really leaning in and hearing the voice of Jesus, listening to the voice of Jesus, which, by the way, is what discipleship is. It's learning to walk away from the old influences and begin to follow Jesus in his way. And, uh, and so I want to I just hear from your backdrops. Um, you know, Jody is over discipleship pathway, which means she's got um, connect group curriculum and um, our, all of our programs like Alpha and give me some more of them. Growth Track. Growth Track. How many have been to Growth Track? Come on. Woo! Let's go to Growth Track. Jody helped shape that whole thing. I love it. It's about our church. If you haven't been to Growth Track yet, you need to go. And then Allie is a youth pastor at our Spring Lake Park location, and she has middle school and high schoolers that she works with. And then uh, P- Pastor Jonathan is one of our... Uh, associate location pastors here, but he also has a portion of his portfolio working with groups and the curriculum and the discipleship pathway. So Jody and Jonathan work real close together on that. So um, I want to, you know, when we're trying to train the next generation or help people in our church find Jesus' voice and not just, and distinguish between Jesus' voice and the world voice, the, the antichrist voice, if you will, what are some of the obstacles that you're finding, Jody? as, as you've been working on this? I'd say really trying to get people connected, connected to the church, but connected to each other. You know, you think about our the Connect Group and the Discipleship Pathway that I work with is all adults, like post college. And usually we find adults have a lot of excuses, like we're busy. So we're, you know, maybe we're a young single adult and we're busy with our career. We don't have time to connect with people or we're a young family and now our kids are our our life and we don't prioritize connecting with people. Or then the kids get a little bit older and we're playing sports and we're gone all the time on the weekends or you get to the grandparent age and you got a little bit of more time to travel and have freedom. And so really trying to help people prioritize growing together is is one of our big obstacles. And then I'd say the second thing is really helping adults learn how to connect. So Jonathan and I will see people come in and they're like, hey, I want to start a group. And we're like, great. Do you have five friends? Well, no, I was hoping you would give me five friends. Well, you kind of just have to show up and start getting to know people at the church in order to have friends and connect. So that's probably the biggest obstacle that we see. All right. Uh, Allie, you work with the next generation and 
there's a lot of other voices, influences in their world now on their phone, and they're being influenced by many other things than just the church. So what are the obstacles you see? Yeah, it's cool. I get the honor and privilege of seeing students when they're in sixth grade all the way to when they graduate high school, so kind of getting to watch them grow up. Um, and I just want to share one student story that I think captures the heart of this question um, and captures the, what many students are walking through. Um, but this student, sixth and seventh grade, was on, like, loved reading their Bible, um, was hearing God for the first time, like all their first, which I love, middle school. And as I saw when they hit eighth, ninth grade, the student began to become a little more insecure, stopped reading their Bible, started getting pulled into listening to other voices, a lot what their friends were saying and thinking, what TV shows were saying, social media, different music they're listening to. And these things that they were listening to, these other voices, began to shape what they thought was right and what's wrong and what they should be doing. And what I noticed in the student is that they totally started changing. Um, just the struggles they began to walk through because they left the voice that they should have been listening to, which is when they were reading their word. And I've noticed that as a common theme through any student I sit down with that's struggling. Um, I'll ask them, like, hey, have you, when's the last time you just talked to God and opened your Bible? And they're like, it's been a long time. I've been watching a lot of Netflix. I've been watching uh, a lot of things on YouTube and going on my phone. And I haven't really opened my Bible at all. And it's crazy to see when they actually start reading their Bible again, how they begin to shift. And like they become alive and the joy comes back and the peace comes back. And they're like, I should have been doing this the whole time. <laughs> and it's crazy to me. But they just, we get so caught up in listening to other voices. And it, for students especially, and it crowds out the one voice they should be listening to. And I also just want to encourage parents um, that have students. It's hard to force students to read their Bible. Um, it's one of those things that they have to choose. But the, a piece of advice I could give you as a parent is to model what it's supposed to look like. Many students, they've never seen a parent in their home like have their own private time reading the Word. And just to encourage you, like that's gonna be your greatest way to influence your student is by showing them what it actually looks like to follow Jesus, to read His Word daily because um, we're not seeing that anywhere else. And so that'd be my encouragement for that. That's so good, so good. Jonathan. Um, You've had uh, quite a journey. Um, you've been a part of our church for a number of years. Uh, before you came on staff, you worked at a, a local college. And, uh, and you're thinking about helping people move, move closer to Jesus, take on a deeper level of faith. And you saw in the college students, so even beyond what Allie's working with, those college students, as they've landed in an institution, they're free for the first time in their life. Um, and they may have a desire for some of these things like love, what we're talking about today, or other things, but there's some obstacles in the way. What, do you, how do, what did you encounter and how did you deal with it? Yeah, that's a great question. So probably two uh, obstacles I want to talk through. Um, one is just general social connection. Um, that's just been an obstacle. Maybe it's because of the influence of and consumption of social media. Um, there could be a variety of different uh, influences about it, you know, cultural background, whatever it may be. Um, but just the how to make a connection with a person and even how to confront. Um, I remember working with uh, a couple of students, they were, and they were, you know, they were having some challenges. They were roommates, and we all know anybody that's a roommate with anyone is going to have some challenges, especially in college, right? And especially your first year where you're trying to connect. But um, you know, I was uh, kind of giving some coaching to an individual, and I said, "Hey, you know, I heard that you're having some troubles with your with your roommate." And they're like, "Yes, I'm having troubles. I've already talked with them. I need to move out of my space." And I was like, "Okay, um, well, um, how?" did you talk with him? Well, I sent him a DM. And I was like, well, that's not communication. 
you know? Like, that's, it's, 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 it's you being, it's you reflecting maybe how you feel. That's if you were absolutely truthful in the message that you sent. But that's not a conversation because conversations take two people. Mm-hmm. Relationships take two people. And really, you know, discipleship built on relationship, right? If we don't get the relational portion right, then how can we even start engaging in conversations that have to deal with your eternity? Mm-hmm. So that's why it's really important. The second thing is this kind of under, like this mis, uh, kind of misvalue or misplacing of mentorship. Mm. Um, we find that um, a lot of, I found that a lot of students, you know, listening to, you know, social media influencers and, and kind of taking everything they say as truth, um, but that's not a mentorship. You're just consuming content, not building a connection with an individual. Because mm. um, that individual is not going to come visit you in your darkest moment. Um, if you're having a mental health crisis, that individual is not going to come alongside you. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're in the hospital, that individual is probably not going to come visit you in the hospital. Uh, but that's why relationships are important. Now, there's peer mentorship, which I'm grateful for. I have a lot of friends, you know, who can speak into my life. And, you know, we're kind of in the same place, same kind of vein and all those kind of things. Um, but uh, they don't have the knowledge and wisdom of beyond the situation I'm in because they're in the same one. So, so the, really, the mentorship portion, that, that place in our lives, you know, especially going into spiritual mentorship, is having someone that's a little bit farther, you know, in the track than us, a little bit more wiser, a little bit more knowledgeable, as someone that can give you real tangible hope, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, not just say, like, yeah, it's tough to be in this situation, but someone that can be, give you real tangible hope. And that's what a mentor really is. And the mentor, they speak into your life. They help you um, tell you when you're wrong, right? And they, they speak of, and they speak with authority in that. But they also follow up. Hey, did you practice this? Did you practice that? So those are the two challenges, the misrepresentation of mentorship and the value of it, and then also the social connection. So good. That's so good. The, when, and that happens at every level. So kids don't know how to talk face-to-face sometimes because they're so used to the digital world. Well, adults are there now, too. I mean, uh, there's a lack of connection. And when it comes to church and our faith, if the only thing that people in the church are hearing is me, I could just be like one of those social influences. They need relationship with church. You need relationship with people in the body of Christ, real-life people who will say the hard thing to you but still love you. Um, I think that too many people are afraid of hearing the difficult thing, but sometimes we just need to hear it. Um, and one of the things is we gotta, we gotta take the effort to be connected and there's a risk in that. And the risk is what if I get rejected? And I know Jody, you talk about circles of friendship in, in in girl track. We talk about circles of friendship and everybody, when you come into a new community, you're going to start from the outside in. You work from the outside in. So we're strangers, and then you get to know each other. You see each other, so then you become acquaintances, and acquaintances become mutual interests, and then friends, and then close friends. But you've got to start by putting yourself in proximity with people. Sometimes people can come to a church and go, I, how are those people popular? Well, they just keep showing up. I guarantee if you keep showing up and you start serving and get to know people, you'll have more than a few friends yourself. So just encourage you to keep showing up. Yeah, and if, if, uh, if they aren't going to run to you. No, I remember when I first came to Emmanuel 
back in the day, I was trying to get to know people. And my sister's like, you're not leaving until you say hi to at least three people. And I'm like, what? I got to say hi to people? And so it, I got out of my shell and started talking to people. And then I joined the youth ministry team and, and the rest is history. Come on, somebody. Yes, it is. I'm part of that history now. I like that. Um, we got to keep moving here, but I really appreciate what you guys have been sharing today. Um, Allie, can you take us into the next verse? I think it's verse number four of 1 John chapter four. Yep. But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Those people belong to this world, so they speak from the world's viewpoint, and the world listens to them. But we belong to God, and those who know God listen to us. If they do not belong to God, then they do not listen to us. That is how we know if someone has a spirit of truth or the spirit of deception. Amen, amen, amen. Would you give it up for these guys for helping us out? The next part of this text is really significant because it says, listen, don't be afraid. If you've got the spirit, the spirit is greater than the world. There's too much fear in the church sometimes, but the fear is not from God. If you know Jesus and you have his spirit living within you, you can do this, and his spirit is greater than the spirit of the world. You belong to him. And the world is going to speak from a different perspective. They're going to have a different accent. That's okay. So how do we love with God's accent of love? I'm landing the plane here just with a few more verses. Verse 7, John says to us this, dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from where? From God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. How do we walk this out and how do we love each other? I'm going to give you three things. The first is this. Recognize that love comes from God. This is a big deal because there's a lot of other sourcing going on. We need to get our love from God. Even if we're raised in a different environment or a different background, we work around people or live around people that have a different accent than God. We don't need to piggyback their accent. We need God's accent. We need to go to him. We need to spend time with him. We need to know his word. We need to be around the rest of the family. We need to spend time knowing him. And by the way, just as was mentioned a few moments ago, love is not do, what you, do whatever you want. I said this last week, but I'll say it again. Parents, you have a responsibility to train up your child. Not just let your child do whatever they want. Because whatever they want is going to leave them confused and wounded and wandering for the rest of their life. But you show them the right way. That means there's some discipline involved. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12 
says, and have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the world's discipline and don't give up when he, or the Lord's discipline, and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those who he, what? Loves. And he punishes each one he accepts as his child. In other words, there's gonna be hard conversations, seasons where we get off track, and we need to be back in the family. There are times on Sunday morning that I'll be preaching, and you may not like what I preached. But if it's in the word, it's for your good. If it's in the word, now you need to test it against the word. Don't just trust me saying it. You need to read the word yourself. Balance it against the word. Everything needs to come back to the word, to the word, to the word. Otherwise, you'll be drifting around like on the waves and to and fro, lost, wandering. Love's going to have boundaries. It's going to have boundaries. Secondly, you want to love this way? Get to know him. Jesus through experience. In other words, you'll get to know God better as you love and experience him. First John 4, 7, first John, uh, yeah, 4, 7, anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. That word knows is the Greek word genisko, which means knowledge by experience. Just knowing about God or your head knowledge won't change the way that you live and you love but your experience with God is what changes everything. Listen, when you learn to sacrificially love with the love of God for other people, you change. When you love without a hook, you care for people without expecting anything back, you change because God is working in and through you. You know him that way. Head knowledge comes from hearing, but experience comes from doing. And the third thing is this, take action to love. Take action. This is my encouragement to you today under the sound of my voice, that you not just be a hearer of the word, but you do it. Don't be passive or expect other people to move first. Don't wait for your husband to love you. You love him first. Husband, don't wait for your wife. You love her first. You love people before they deserve it. Come on, somebody. Isn't that the kind of love Jesus had for us? You love first. You take action. You look to love and you partner with the Spirit. And you say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do today? Who do you want me to see? How can I make a difference? Would you love through me and trust you did your part and God is going to help you. I'd like you all to stand in each of our locations today as we conclude today's message. I feel like I'm running a marathon, getting in all the verses in this series. But today, I genuinely believe that you and I can have God's accent of love and that we can function the more we know him, the more we sound like him. The more we hang around the family, the more we sound like the family. And if we can listen and love and begin to love each other, there's something supernatural that happened to the world around us. They will know us by our accent of love. They'll notice you're different in the church because you love 
when other people hate. And there can't be any haters in the kingdom of God. Can I get an amen to that? Today, today I'm going uh, to have you practice what I preach. Where you care about the people around you. I'm going to have you huddle up with one or two or three people. And, you know, just like the Vikings do before they run a play. Get in a circle. And what I'm going to have you do in each of our locations, balconies, main floors, those of you that are joining online, you can do this on the chat and be connected to each other and share. I want you to ask, what is one thing that I could pray for you about? What's one area of your life that you have a need? And everybody here is going to say something. Hey, I'd like it to get warmer outside. That was my prayer request at the beginning. But you might say, hey, I'm having a tough time in my family. I lost my job. I need some help. It could be as simple as that. And then together, just pray for that person. If you're like, I don't know how to pray, then let me give you a real quick lesson. You just heard what somebody else said. They said that their child is sick and they, they are worried about them. So all you do is repeat their words back to God. God, she said that her child is sick and they need healing and help. Amen. That's a prayer. Okay? So that's all you have to do. If you care and you love, you'll take care of the people around you. And let me just say this. If you need to give your life to Jesus today, you're away from God. You've been away. and You know you need to change. And God's been speaking to you throughout the service today. And this is your moment. I would love to see you come to faith. In fact, just real quick, close your eyes all across the room, each of our locations. You need to give your life to Jesus today because you're away from him. This is a great moment. We want to see you receive the love of Jesus in your life today. If that's you, just put your hand up and say, that's me. Yeah, 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 yes, 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 yes. 13, 14, 15 people. Yes, yes. I love it. What God does in an unexpected way today. If you raise your hand, I want to lead you in a prayer. And you can pray this prayer out loud and uh, just repeat it after me, but meet it from your own heart. And I believe that Jesus will hear you and change you. Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me so much that you came to the earth. You died on the cross for my sin. And today, I know you're alive. I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. We pray that you are encouraged and blessed by today's message. Check out emmanuelcc.org for faith resources, how to get plugged into community, or to join us live on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. We are so excited to see what God is going to do. The best is yet to come.